Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hello, and welcome back to the All Bodies on Bikes podcast. I am super excited for today's guest, and it's just me today. Uh, Maggie is currently at work. Um, Well, I guess I'm at work too, but different kinds of work. Um, So today's guest I discovered on Instagram um, and have been following their work for quite a while now, and they just had like a massive victory, um, which we're going to get into in the conversation, but I slid into their DMs and said, hey, do you want to come on the show? And um, it's been Great. mutual um, fan fanning over each other for the last five minutes. So without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce you all to Sebastian Sutherland. Sebastian Sutherland, they, them, is a cyclist, consultant, community activist, and drag king originally from Scotland based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. They've been cycling for over 10 years and advocate for better representation, diversity, and access in cycling. They believe getting on a bike can change people's lives for the better and that everyone should feel welcome to cycling and be a cyclist. Sebastian is an (laughs) active member in their local community, and they have been the founder of new initiatives that push change locally and further. They founded one of the first LGBTQIA plus cycling clubs in the Netherlands, uh, Queer Wheels, which we'll talk about. They run one of the largest pride rides in Europe. And they're also an inclusion consultant and actively support brands, local sports organizations, and events to educate, guide, and create frameworks which support more people in cycling. They strongly identify with all bodies on bikes and believe there is still a lot to do in cycling for equity in the industry. They believe that now is the time for cycling to create change and to grow. Welcome to the show, Sebastian. Hey, <laughs> feels so weird to hear that back. <laughs> it's always such a surreal thing. Like, yeah, I get asked for bios all the time, and I, I have a bio now that I give. And even still, it's like such a a weird thing. Um, but you're doing some incredible work. Thanks. Yeah, I was. Well, I like we said, I am a massive, massive fan, and this feels extremely surreal. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And you're in Amsterdam, is that correct? I'm literally sitting in my uh, room in Amsterdam here. Nice. Amsterdam is one of my favorite places in the world. Um, Really? Yeah. I got to, in my previous life in corporate America, I used to get to travel a lot for work. Um, Really? Yeah. And so got to go to Amsterdam probably five or six times. And I'm not going to lie. Like the first time I was like, oh, this is cute. But I just stayed in like the tourist area. And then after that, I stayed in Harlem and like took the little ferry over to, is it North Amsterdam? Yeah, just Nord, yeah. Yeah, Nord, um, where there's like all the cool art and cycling and like, yeah, it's yeah. it's such an incredible place. So you're very lucky to live there. Yeah, I feel extremely, I mean, yeah, I feel extremely very privileged to live here. It's a beautiful place to live. And yeah, I mean, I grew up in the west of Scotland, which is, the weather's kind of similar, so it's not as if I'm worried about the weather. And I just think it's beautiful all year. And with the cycling infrastructure and just the quality of life, um, it's it's a great place to live. Yeah. yeah. And the cyclocross scene? Yes, the cyclocross scene is really cool. It's also, I mean, there's a little bit of the cyclocross scene in the UK. It's getting bigger, I think, as a local sport. Um, it, it feels more accessible than than other types of cycling, I think, to some people. But it's massive here in the Netherlands. And the, the funny thing was when I started doing cyclocross racing, uh, I did a little bit in the UK and I did okay because there wasn't that many people there. But my first uh, race here, I was lapped by children. <laughs> <laughs> Relatable. Is, yeah, really. Yeah. And I think, okay, right. The, the Dutch and the Belgians are, are pretty good. So <laughs> yeah, it's like they're born with a bike under them and it just yeah, becomes part of them. 
Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> yeah, dig into your work true. a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So as I mentioned in your bio, you started one of the first LGBTQIA plus groups in the Netherlands. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about, you know, what inspired you to start that um, and maybe some of the challenges you faced in that? Well, um, a lot of the things I do are born out of my own necessity or my own want um, because I want to cycle in a safe space with more people like me. I want to cycle in a space that's more fun, open to other people. And when I first moved here, it's just before Corona, so it was things a bit weird. Um, and then after uh, the couple of quarantines we had here as well, we had a little bit more than other places when things open up. And I was really looking for a queer-centred, very inclusive space. Th there wasn't any. Uh, to be honest, or there was, but it was very still focused on particular groups and they weren't necessarily overtly trans-inclusive or inclusive in other ways. So I thought, I'm just going to do it myself, Yeah, which is, which is how it came about. And I did a Pride ride in 2021 and way more people turned up than I expected. Um, I don't think there'd ever been a a larger uh, pride ride in Amsterdam just during pride um, myself that I just ran and everyone was saying we would like to do this more so that's how Queer Wheels was born and now it's kind of evolved and now we have have a home at We Are Queer Gym which is the first uh, queer ally friendly because it's open to allies but it's the first uh, queer gym in Amsterdam the second one in the Netherlands where it's focused on LGBTQ plus people uh, which is super cool it's called We Are Queer that is incredible. And we'll we'll definitely include a link to that. Um, you yeah. made me think of something, you know, it seems like allies are often very supportive. And, you know, that's how my journey into the queer world started was like, yeah, yeah. I'm an ally, I think, because I was like, almost afraid Classic. to come out. Yeah. yeah. And part of me, me wonders, <laughs> and obviously, like, there's no answer to this. And I can't. But I think everybody's a little queer inside. And sometimes it just feels yeah. safer. I always think that, yeah, I always think it's why safe spaces are so important for you to be able to have permission to explore. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said. And I, I love that you took the ambition and just kind of ran with it. I think there's so many folks who are waiting for permission or waiting for somebody else to to start an initiative. Um, so great job on that. Um, yeah. How <laughs> how frequently does Queer Wheels ride? What is, you know, is it a membership based thing? Tell me about it. Well, um, Queer Wheels is, uh, we've changed a little bit. Um, so now we really have a kind of season, which is exciting. So we generally run rides regularly between May and September or October, depending on how global warming is, because it was really warm in October last year. So we kept the rides going for longer. Um, we do rides for all levels um, as much as I, I can. I only have a couple of other ride leaders, so quite small at the moment. I was looking for more. <laughs> um, and we run rides um, I call chill rides and social rides. The chill rides are really focused on having a low barrier to entry, being really chill and designed as the most inclusive space possible where people it's really designed for people who would like to get into cycling or if you're in new to grip riding or who really experience other barriers. Um, obviously it's from the community anyway. So I do those a couple of times a month and then we're gonna have more social rides this month where they're a little bit faster for people who have a little bit more experience. Um, and we're gonna do a variety of stuff within those on the road, maybe a little bit of gravel, but it's really just helping people to get into cycling because the barriers that I faced coming into the sport were crazy and I, wasn't out at the time as trans, I was openly queer, but I only really was able to come out in the second time, <laughs> the second cupboard, so I don't believe in the, in the wardrobe, but um, in, in my kind of early mid-twenties. And, you know, even before that, um, there was a lot of barriers for me getting into it. And I just want to try and take some of that away because I don't want anyone to have the same experience that I did and still do like you, you obviously experience as well yeah so that's what we try to do um, and it's really getting people into the sport and showing it's okay if you don't know everything but we're gonna we're gonna learn together yeah that's that's really really cool um and I'm sure folks are so grateful for that um and obviously so this next question um you know respecting people's privacy is super important and maybe you've got some personal anecdotes you can share um but do you have any stories from folks who you know attend queer wheels or 
that are in your community that highlight the importance of creating these safe spaces within the cycling community? Yeah, I think I've got so many that it's hard to pinpoint. Um, yeah, I th I'm trying to think of one that would be extra special, but the thing is about Queer Worlds is that we really get a whole bunch of different people that feel so restricted in where they can go and how they can get into cycling. And every week or every time I do it, there's always somebody new who is so frightened and almost didn't show up. And that's the thing. It's that you almost don't even show up because you don't, you really don't feel that welcome. And I just think the fact that they've gotten out the door and come there is just the coolest thing ever. And I always say that's, we all know that's the first barrier, right? Um, I think the, I think obviously we're going to speak about the race in a bit, but the most recent thing that I think is so important is ahead of the cyclocross race that we're going to discuss, um, which was the first cyclocross uh, race in the Netherlands to have a non-binary category. One of the first cycling races in, in the Netherlands, actually the first cycling race in the Netherlands ever to have a non-binary category. Um, Queer Wheels partnered with a, another group, which I'll shout out to, called No Ordinary Women CC. They're a group for which are women-focused, but also for um, female-identifying, femme, and also non-binary people, so me, um, which is nice, that uh, was founded in 2020 that I've been around uh, forever. We partnered with them for some workshops before this race because we realized there's gonna be a lot of um, men there, but there's gonna be no other kind of more marginalized uh, genders. So we decided, right, let, let's try and do something to change that. So we did a couple of workshops and there was a great turnout, uh, especially to one, and so many of these people were would never have come uh, to this. Uh, sorry, Marley, one of my, I'm living with housemates. It's all right. It's all good. Right. Hello. So, uh, go back. So, we decided to run these, Who Wilson and Audrey Women decided to run these uh, collaborative workshops together before the race to try and, you know, bring down some barriers. And the turnout was great. And it was just amazing to see people really enjoying themselves and not being so worried about things that exist when you're in these cycling spaces. They didn't have to worry about people uh, getting their pronouns wrong. They didn't have to worry about um, dressing a specific way. They didn't worry about looking a specific way or being good or being great, or it was just really fun. We're just jumping on and off and getting muddy. And at the end of the workshop, everybody was so happy. And I just think that's really nice. That, that is really so happy. nice. and. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if funny is the right word, but, um, that's mm -hmm. actually how I got into cyclocross as well. You know, I would, really? I attended as a spectator for years yeah. and then there was a, a group in Seattle called breakfast cycling club. I know breakfast. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so they cool. started running workshops, um, you know, before the cyclocross season, just to mm -hmm. break down those barriers and teach mm -hmm. you how to ride an off camber section, how mm -hmm. to mount and dismount, how to carry mm -hmm. your bike. Like, things that you know once you've been racing cyclocross for a while you kind of take it for granted but if you've yeah. never done it it's like what am I even doing on this bicycle yeah. um and you know Absolutely. they just had um so their season ends in like I think November December um but at their like you know the the hallmark race of the year they had the largest ever non-binary category ever um and That's I forget so cool. how many people were in it I'm totally kicking yeah one of my this. friends andy raced uh they came to i met them through instagram and they were here uh for i can't remember why they were here um in the summer in amsterdam here and we just connected and they bought one of my bikes when we went cycling it was really really cute and i'm such a big fan of breakfast and andy and everyone and yeah and their recent article was really cool yeah so nice that you had that experience with them that's so cool it's funny i met andy many years actually it was probably early covid when they were just getting into cycling um we went to the same so bike cool. shop and so it's just it's um, incredible to see people's journey as they come into themselves and find a place where they are accepted and welcomed and can fully yeah. figure that out uh oh i yeah. love the cycling world it's such a small world yeah it's growing i feel i feel that our communities and our way of thinking and being is really growing which is super nice and I think one thing I'll say as well from the workshop is as a result of the workshops that we did, then for the race, loads of those people signed up, which That's... 
is what we're I think that that obviously like what breakfast is doing it's the same but this proves the point um the fields were still very small compared to the men but there was five or six more more people there than there would have been um without them yeah which I and think makes a whole difference it really does and then you know next year you'll build off of the success and continue doing well yeah. we're already talking about it let's talk about this race um so yes. you know tell me about it tell me I know you worked for a long time to get that non-binary category added mm. how did that come about um talk to me about that whole process yeah well I've been trying to race as as me for a long time um not only that um coming well, coming up against a lot of barriers uh, locally in the Netherlands as well. I think people do believe that the Netherlands is a very accepting and welcoming com uh, country for LGBTQ plus people. But unfortunately, it is going down on the equality index and mm. it is not the same place uh, as it potentially was. And I believe that, you know, a lot of people think that with the... Um, gay marriage rights coming in that that was the world problem solved when it came to uh lgbtq plus people but obviously we're now seeing like everywhere in the world there's a lot of um prejudice misinformation and uh, resistance against for example trans inclusion and non-binary people so um yeah among many many other things that have issues to the netherlands despite it being a great place to live um yeah obviously i'm a privilege in a lot of areas that other people aren't so it's it's been a long slog and with the racing um i actually been petitioning this race was organized by rafa i worked for rafa amsterdam in the um in the clubhouse just as a, a supervisor but it's it's a really nice part of my life uh, which i really enjoy um rafa amsterdam did it in collaboration with mats which is another local cycling store um i wasn't on the people that were organizing the race but obviously i was close to it so I kind of was like, yeah, guys, there's going to be a non-binary category, right? And they were like, yeah, of course. Why not? I was like, exactly. That's how, yes. That's how it should be. So I, I think there would have been a problem if it had not been, um, because we all know each other so well and they know my story so well. But prior to this, I actually had to boycott the um, local cycling league uh, in Amsterdam this year. I've been racing for a few years prior um, and I've been asking them, please, can we talk? I'd really love to ask if you if you would be able to add a non-binary category I'm here for education to explain why but they just wouldn't have it they wouldn't even speak to me they wouldn't have anything to do with me and yeah a couple of years later I just decided I can't I can't do it again uh they're trying to funnel me into into one category and I just said look I, I can't do this anymore you guys need to get with the program and I'm I'm officially going to boycott you uh because unfortunately nothing nothing else worked but sometimes putting the pressure on, on does um but eventually they came around and I had a really, really nice conversation with them. So uh, I'm really excited to work with the Amsterdam um, cross competition next year. Uh, I know that we're still in talks about it, but um, it, it's really good that they then did, did listen and we had a nice conversation. But this coming, this race, you know, I didn't know that this race was going to happen, the match raffle one. Uh, it was quite random and I kind of expected to not race again for at least another year or two years, depending. So it was really amazing. And I was like, oh, crap, I need to get on Zwift and get, <laughs> get fit because <laughs> I would like to win. <laughs> yeah. And what was quite funny is that obviously with the with the category um, coming in, the assumption was I would probably be the only one. I wasn't in the end, yeah. which was awesome. Um, so the, like I said, it was a locally organized race and it was just such a such a great day. And with the workshops that, that were organized with uh, Now and uh, Queer Wheels, it just was so we're saying Dutch gezellig, which is means uh, a, a cozy time. It was a fun time. It was a beautiful time. And it was just so great. And uh, it still makes me quite emotional. But even just uh, to do sign on and sign my name in a place which feels right yeah. is beyond. I don't have words. Even that small bit at the beginning of the day, which seems so minor and so nothing, it meant so much to me. And also to the other non-binary people that signed up too, it was pretty awesome. And then the race happened, it was hard. Uh, it, it's not an easy course, that one, it's a long one. And I think my heart rate was at 190 for, yeah, however many Oh my minutes. gosh. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of a lot of tight corners. And um, yeah, it was awesome. The race was awesome. And 
we ran the the women's category and the non-binary category at the same time because they had the least amount of people but everyone was also so encouraging on the field not just to me but we're all saying come on go faster everyone's so encouraging of each other because there's a sense of solidarity um that we're all carving out new space for each other which yeah. is so beautiful and then yeah I got on the podium and I did my champagne and it was great <laughs> and I have it here <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful trophy it's really nice thanks to Sven who uh who, who got it made and luckily I get to keep it which is nice it takes quite a place on my desk nice yeah I remember watching your Instagram stories from that day and Mm -hmm. you had something about when you got to you know sign in for the race and Mm -hmm. um I don't know if it was your stories or actually on your your feed but just that that realization that you finally got to race as yourself Mm -hmm. I think you know a lot of us who are cisgendered take for granted that our identity isn't questioned most of the time and we Mm -hmm. we we do just get to show up fully as ourselves Mm -hmm. and so for folks who are non-binary getting to be yourself I imagine feels incredible so yeah I yeah it, it really is uh I mean I obviously don't speak on behalf of all non-binary or gender non-conforming or gender queer people of course but it was uh it was wild it's still sinking in to be honest Marley I I can't believe it happened and I just hope the momentum keeps going I hope that okay for selfish reasons I can keep going to events as myself and 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 be there but I I hope that also it creates a a momentum for other people to feel that they can come and do things and I don't want to win all the time I want to lose kind yeah. of <laughs> kind of kind of my friends I mean, would say mm, maybe maybe that's not true sir but I don't want to win all the time I want other people to come and beat me and yeah you want I people want to, to compete be... against yeah I want to compete and that's the that's the other thing as well but it just means so much to not have to hide. I spent so much of my life pretending I was somebody that I'm not. And uh, that was really hard. And to not have to do that in a sport that I love is amazing. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Abby Robbins, who is um, a non-binary cyclist here in the United States. We had I'm them on the show. Yeah, Abby is, is so Abby, incredible. I love you. <laughs> Today's actually Abby's birthday. Happy birthday, Abby. Is it your birthday? Abby, happy birthday. Felicitaires. Yes. Um, I'll have to text them after this and make sure they yeah, listen. Yeah, they're so awesome. But yeah, when they, we they really also seeing Abby also gave me more permission as well, and that's why it's so. I mean, I was doing the stuff here already, but it, seeing Abby do their thing made me be more open online because it made me realize, okay, we've kind of what well, I felt that it's important to do this. So yeah, thank you, Abby. and I'm sure folks are seeing you and saying, oh. I, I can do this. I can be myself. Um, and I, I think about, you know, what you said about how you you want people to compete against you and maybe not always win. You know, that's like Abby, the first year at Unbound, they were the only one, Unbound Gravel. And, you know, the next year, I think, I don't know, there were five people. And then, you know, this year there was way more people than could fit on the podium. And they had, yeah. they, I think they had full non-binary podiums for each of the distances. So yeah. I, I would so like to awesome. think- that that's going to happen where you're at in the Netherlands. It's like once that door gets open, you can't close it because people yeah. do have a right to to participate in sport who, as who they are. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I hope so. And I hope it sends uh, a chain reaction through other places in Europe too. Yeah. Well, kind of on that note, you know, how can the cycling community at large, um, you know, whether we're cisgender or queer or non-binary whatever how can we be more welcoming and supportive of marginalized groups and do you have any like specific strategies to achieve this or or tips or hints speak to people from those groups I can't stress enough how people are not at the table when these discussions are happening about them and there's people who are not marginalized or not from specific groups making decisions about me or other people um you got to speak to people uh, because you'll never know what they want or what the best thing is. And diversity is, is power. Knowledge is power. And having more voices, more ideas at the table creates a really beautiful, knowledgeable and equitable community. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, so, you know, as I was I was researching you, I always kind of feel like a creep because it's like I'm creeping on your Instagram, I'm Googling you. I'm I creep on you all the time, Marley, in, in the most <laughs> uh, 
fun personing way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but you know, one thing that I saw is, you know, your hope is to help other folks become, you know, quote unquote, serious cyclists, or, you know, just folks who are really involved and passionate about that. Um, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about, you know, the barriers, but what advice do you have for folks who, you know, might be facing those barriers, um, or who are, you know, in marginalized communities, um, to, to feel more welcome in the sport or to become more involved? It's a really good question. I think back to the idea of what is a cyclist or what is a serious cyclist. To me, the idea of what a cyclist is has changed and, mm. and is continually changing because more people are, are claiming that in a good way, in a really positive way, because being a cyclist isn't doing the Tour de France anymore. It isn't knowing everything about every single pro, cyc pro cyclist anymore. It isn't riding on the road. It isn't It isn't necessarily doing 100K. It isn't riding and, you know, suffering. Um, the idea of being a cyclist is so open and you decide yourself if you're a cyclist. Uh, and I guess I feel weird, like, giving tips because... I just think people should should do their thing but the advice is is do your thing and, and you're valid and you're welcome and if you decide that you're a cyclist it can be in any way that could be commuting doing gravel going to see your granny whatever um you're, you're a cyclist and that's yeah we cycle for lots of different reasons in lots of different ways and if you are passionate about pedaling in whatever form that is then you're a cyclist yeah and have the confidence to claim that space because you're valid. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. Um, and you know, I, I would add onto that, you know, find, find groups to ride with, find folks that, yeah. that resonate with you. And if you don't find that, start your own. That's how all bodies on bikes started. Make it. Yeah. yeah. Build maybe it's really, that's actually the project fearless motto, I think, which is a really nice, uh, sorry. <laughs> I quoted my friend's uh, nonprofit. <laughs> My friend Merida, she's she's excellent. She runs a really amazing nonprofit here called Project Fearless, and it's focused on um, uh, young girls and gender fluid youth. Um, and the idea is all about empowerment and confidence. Uh, and they do lots of different things, but they're yeah, I, I believe their motto is build, make, be. And I think that that also resonates with so many things. And yeah, find other people that feel the same way. There are groups that are there now. There wasn't before, um, which is true, but. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You're like giving me confidence. Like I know I've I've like got this space, but even now, sometimes there's times when I don't feel welcome or I don't feel like there's a space for me. And it's like, no, there there is a space and there are other folks who are feeling this way. Yeah, me me too. Sometimes I just feel, you know, you feel a bit imposter syndrome, right? Not only about your own work, but about being in the industry because it's so dominated by people that don't look like you or don't have the same ideas as you. But there are nice spaces that exist that are thinking differently about it. And yeah, who says this is what a cyclist is? You say you're a cyclist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To me, if you're riding a bike, you're a cyclist. If you want okay. to identify that way. Yeah. <laughs> also, you can well, identify any way you like. <laughs> exactly. Well, kind of on that same note, you know, talking about, you know, the cycling community at large or mainstream cycling organizations, um, you know, what role do you see them playing in promoting diversity and inclusion? Um, and then, you know, what steps can they take to be more proactive? You know, you mentioned inviting people to the table, but beyond that, you know, what, what else needs to happen? In my experience, brands uh, and large organizations have a responsibility to do the right thing and they need to do much better. Uh, there is not enough um, authentic, enthusiastic investment in the subject within the industry. And we need to get with the program, otherwise cycling is, is not going to be moving forward into the future in a way that is keeping it alive. Yeah. That's what I think. And yeah, they need to be doing better. They need to be, yes, inviting people, but they need to have, um, you know, uh, equity, inclusion and diversity at one of the core pillars of their business. They need to make sure that they're hiring people, properly talking to people. And like I said, authentically engaging with 
content and ideas and communities and people who know what they're talking about to, to help guide them. And they should be taking a stance. They should be doing something. Um, we can't just be afraid of social media or, or things because at the end of the day, people are always worried about whether they're a good person or not. I think that's why we are always worried about what we're doing in life, whether we're we're on the right side of, of whatever this is or history. Um, but I always think, you know, think of think about your gut and yeah, if you really want to do the right thing, then you need to do it. I need to stick by what you said you were going to do five, six, three years ago. A lot of people are bringing out impact goals and goals within the companies or organizations and don't just say it, you need to do it. Yeah. Uh, and that involves, yeah, like I said, speaking to the right people, hiring people, um, being actually invested in what you're saying or don't. And if you don't, you also got to stick by that because there's no point being half-assed about it. Amen. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It felt like, you know, after the summer of 2020, there was so much momentum in this space and it, it yeah, feels it like, very hopeful. yeah, it, I, same. I also felt very hopeful and it feels like, you know, as the economic tides have turned, um, you know, people aren't buying the same number of bikes that they were during COVID for very obvious reasons. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of the effort towards diversity and equity and inclusion and representation has gone that same direction. And, I think it's a really big misstep by these brands because that's who is continuing to come into the sport um, or continuing to get into riding bikes. Um, and we we want to see ourselves represented and see diverse faces and voices and stories. Um, I, I fully agree. And I do think it's a shame um, because it's proven uh, as a business case that investing in this is good for companies it's it's good in the long run for economically to to invest in this it, it's been proven um yeah so why not yeah yeah if maggie if was here or yeah and it, if you're frightened it's because you don't know enough so you need to educate yourself so exactly yeah if maggie was here they would say stupid is loud and i think a lot of companies are afraid of those loud voices but those are often you know mm -hmm. the the minority um of what people are actually thinking but they're they're stupid and they're loud um, but yeah. they get a lot of attention. Yeah, uh, it is unfortunate. I mean, obviously, you yourself will really understand the the tidal wave of um, discrimination online, and those voices are very, very loud. But if you actually look into it, they're all just bots or fakeness or people who are just trying to stoke hate, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But if if um, more brands took the time to actually speak to us and have a look at what's actually happening they'll realize that it's not as scary as you think and it's only scary because you don't know how to handle it because yeah you haven't uh, done the time to educate yourself but I hope that in the future that this will be better and that people will invest in it because yeah it's it's good for the companies yeah well that ties in really beautifully to my next question which is you know looking ahead what are your hopes and aspirations for the future of um, queer representation and participation in cycling both in the Netherlands and globally? Mm. Well, I want to have a nice world where everyone's nice to each other. <laughs> I think that's like the, the underlying thing that everybody wants, right? But obviously that's uh, a very bit of a pipeline dream. Um, yeah, it's funny because I people ask me this question, what do I want for the future? And to be honest, I'm still planning my schedule for Queer Wheels like next month. Yeah. And it's these two things where you know, we, yourself included, we're the people on the ground actually making change and doing things. And we're really working ourselves in incredibly hard um, to, to do these things. And I would like to see it come into fruition. And I would like to see, yeah, like we were talking about better investment in, in people and listening and a world where things aren't ruled by assumptions, where things aren't ruled by, yeah, misinformation, lack of education uh where people are listened to accepted and, and treated um as equally as possible and yeah the thing is about equity is that everybody needs something different to get to the table not everybody if you give everyone a bike not everybody's going to be able to ride it you need to figure out you know does this person need a different type of bike has this person need, does they do they even know how to ride a bike and i think 
getting to a stage where we're actively thinking about that and that it's not just an afterthought mm. that it's within the first thoughts of what we're doing is as people as cyclists as brand ambassadors as brands as companies that's what I what I where I want it to go I want it to be one of the first thoughts not an afterthought and I would like to see more investment in us as when I say real cyclists I mean people who like like to ride their bikes not real cyclists isn't like the pros because the pros while, while I love racing and I have a lot of respect for pro cyclists they don't make up a large proportion of the population of cyclists in the world where we do um and we should be listened to more amen and yeah I'd like career wheels to grow uh I'd like to keep going with career wheels and I'd like it to grow but yeah in a way that feels nice and organic yeah well it sounds like um I mean that is so admirable and like I just your heart feels so pure to me um I I want to talk you know selfishly a little bit um obviously you are a very talented writer and you train and all that do you have any you know goals to become pro or where would you like your cycling career to go oh my god I've never that's so funny someone else asked me this recently and I was like me going pro you won <laughs> but like because I there's representation matters if you can't see it, you don't think you can be it. I would love to race at a national. I would love to have the opportunity to race at a national event that includes non-binary people to, to be taken seriously as a cyclist. I think a lot of us, you know, we're talking about claiming space and being taken seriously as, as somebody who genuinely loves the sport and is a real cycling enthusiast and knows about stuff I I quite often feel and I know that um also shout out to my friend Fede Federico he's a really talented photographer and queer cyclist as well and um, he also races for a, a gravel team in Italy we met a few years ago on Instagram and I rode from rode with him in Italy in the summer and it was the first ride after I had my top surgery and we were talking about how we're not taken seriously as queer people in cycling because people are like what they don't think that these things go together or if yeah. you're anybody from a marginalized group or look different than a typical cyclist then people just don't take you seriously um my goal is to be taken seriously <laughs> long story short I would love to to do more racing and, and get into that and um, my career as a cyclist I think just do cool shit <laughs> I, I love, love that goal I want calm that would be really cool, but that's like a super privileged thing to be able to do. The Taiwan Calm. It's a it's the longest climb in the world in Taiwan. I'd love to do that. How and long really is it? Me. I it's really I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like the biggest mountain climb in the world. Um but I'd love to just go to more events. I'd love to meet you in person, Marley. That's on my bucket list, literally. Let's make it happen. Just, you know. Um I, I just want to meet more people and just 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 keep uh, keep this thing going. That's that's my professional goal and to be yeah I mean selfish like I'd love to to race and and be uh, at the forefront of, of this different movement but I think I just want this to last I want this to have a, a legacy not just for myself but I, I want this to be ingrained in the DNA of, of of the cycling culture and local cycling scene sorry that was very long no. but that, there are my professional goals I think just to make it better yeah, no need to apologize. Yeah, dream big. And I think, you know, by speaking it out yeah. to the world, I hope that people hear you and hear your story and think, yeah, I, I want to support Sebastian. I want to bring them onto the team or whatever that might look like. Um, so I guess speaking of that, are there any sponsors you want to shout out? Yeah, I have some sponsors I'd like to shout out. Firstly, I'm pro. Um, they do support me so much um they're an amazing brand and I actually just kind of I met someone at a photo shoot that I was doing uh, that used to work for them and they put me in con and they just asked me about my story um everybody on that shoot nobody else nobody had ever met a non-binary person so I was quite new and we were on the photo shoot and we were having a call at 4 a.m but the weather ended up being too bad. So we were all like, okay, what are we going to do? Twiddling our thumbs at 4am. So we just all started having these really deep chats and I just shared my story. Um, and I just started HRT. So I was really excited and I want to share it, but people are like, yeah, but it's, it's, it was really nice. And and then they were like, we've got this community program. You should, and then, yeah, that's how it happened. And 
Pro have been really supportive of me um, in, in difficult times, but also hopefully onto some really cool times because I'm still very new to the social media game and the the ambassador influencer game. I don't know. I'm I'm what I'm best at is the stuff on the ground, and um, that's obviously why they why they support me. Um, I also want to shout out Shimano Benelux. Um, they're super nice guys, really nice people as well. Also, loads of nice ambassadors, and they really also believe in the mission of you know getting more people out on bikes in the world and. I, I love that about Shimano. Um, it feels really pure and really nice. Um, I'm going which to interrupt is saying you. something because, yeah, quite a lot of these cycle, cycling brands you're not sure about, but I really believe in their mission and it really feels aligned to me. And obviously I work for Rafa, but Rafa's cool and it's changed a lot. I, I'm free, I'll fully admit I wasn't always a big fan of Rafa. Yeah, I, I'm currently not a big fan of Rafa um, Yeah. because they don't make my size. Um, and They don't. We're not size inclusive. Uh, yeah. absolutely not size inclusive. Um, we're well aware. I say we as if I represent Rafa. I don't. By the way, I don't represent Rafa. I don't speak for Rafa. Just so everyone knows. Yeah, But just yeah, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're not size inclusive, but it is something that we are working on. And I actually worked at the head office a couple of years uh, on secondment a few years ago, and it's 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 being talked about and in the pipeline, um, being discussed. I know. Um, and I think uh yeah, the, the brand is doing a lot internally to learn. And I think sometimes when you're doing a lot internally, people can't see it, which is really tricky. So these conversations are being had. I think that's really important. And Rafa is doing yeah, can always do more, everyone can always do more. Um, but I think, yeah, brands like Rafa, again, using their voice for good is is really cool. And I, I hope to see more. Of that in the future with Rafa. Um, and then the last, I'm trying to think if I have anyone else I need to shout out. We are Queer Gym, it's awesome. Obviously, they support me a lot. Um, and Ramwork, which is actually a new sponsor of mine, my frame sponsor. They're really cool guys from Harlem, which you know about. Obviously, it's a town. Yeah, you Yeah, know. I love Harlem. It's like. Yeah, Harlem is a town, not Harlem, uh, New York, Harlem, uh, um, <laughs> Netherlands. Um, It's a town just uh, west of Amsterdam and they're just a really small brand, but they're really nice guys and they're growing and I'm growing. So we're just going to grow together and they really support the mission. So, That's so awesome. yeah, I'm just thankful for all the support because honestly, this stuff, this is really hard. And I also understand that I'm an extremely privileged person. I already worked in the industry before I, well, I've only been working for AFA for uh, three and a, almost four years. um, But I've been doing, yeah, the cycling stuff, trying to do this for a long time and I'm really privileged, but yeah, it still takes a lot of work. I would not be able to afford it. I cannot afford it if it wasn't for these supporters and all these people wouldn't enjoy riding if it wasn't for all of them as well, supporting me to do this. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm honestly in the exact same boat and it's kind of cool because I also work with both Pro and Shimano. Um, Yeah. so shout out to both of those brands for, you know, supporting different people, um, than your typical pro cyclist. Um, Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for that support. Um, and I, I do appreciate the nuance of the conversation about Rafa. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I just want people to have the choice, you know, to, to have a choice in clothing. That way you Yeah. can actually wear what reflects your personal style. Um, Absolutely. where, you know, so often for plus size folks, and I'm going through this right now of like, do I even have a personal style or am I just wearing what has been available to me? Yeah. So. I mean, I can't imagine how that must be. Um, but I, I really agree with the sentiment of personal style, because if we're talking about, yeah, you can claim the space to be a cyclist. You also need that represented in the stuff you wear and the stuff you need. And yeah, it's absolutely needed and essential. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really important conversation. I mean, totally different. But as somebody who's gender nonconforming, everything's gendered. Um, so it's it's also really tough and obviously with Queer Wheels what I also do is I, ha I do a lot of advisory and sometimes I say okay everyone come in to Rafa at 2pm uh, on, on Sunday and we can all have a look through stuff together um, and I can explain things in a, in a less gendered way and Rafa's really supportive of, of stuff like that as well it, it doesn't need to be a big event doesn't need to be a pride thing it's just people coming in and learning about stuff but I, I would I would love to see more 
um, gender neutral or a different way of talking about things. And I hope including that, also including more inclusive sizing, yeah, and more representation across the board. Hopefully Rafa can work towards that. Yeah, very cool. Well, thanks for fighting the good fight. Um, so last question before our final two wrap up questions. Um, oh, where too fast. <laughs> I know, I know. I could talk to you yeah. all day. Um, where can people find you and follow along with your work? People can find me in Amsterdam, but they can also find me. Um, also, I do go back to Scotland sometimes. I'm from Glasgow originally. I miss it. Um, um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my, I'm sure Marley will link on my links. Um, yes. You can also find me on LinkedIn for the professional stuff. Um, I also linked my consultancy stuff there as well. Um, Queer Wheels is also on Instagram. It's just queer underscore wheels. I, I think I maybe I didn't send you that link, but I will. You did, but we'll, we'll include it. Okay, great. Uh, Queer Wheels. And yeah, I'm also a drag king. You can follow my drag account <laughs> if you like. It's, my, it's love... actually a job, which is great. I love drag kings. Like I love drag queens, but they're like, and I hope people don't get mad at me. This they're like a dime a dozen. Drag kings, I feel like you have to work so much harder at what you do. Yeah, there's there's a lot of misogyny within and also like trans misogyny within the within the community. But it's it's getting better. And there's a really cool collective called the Lost Boys, which is a drag collective in Amsterdam. They won the Super, Amsterdam Super Bowl last year, uh, which is really cool. I'm not part part of them or associated with them, but that's like a really good example of more kings getting more representation. And I feel really luckily lucky to be supported by a lot of queer knights here and people and given lots of cool opportunities. I'm hoping to perform at Milkshake this year, which is a big uh, queer centered. It's not like overtly queer, but it is queer centered music uh, festival that we have in Amsterdam every summer. But yeah, Drag Kings, we, we do fight quite hard. Uh, it's it's really tricky to get a space because people assume that we're not good, but we're so good. Yeah, <laughs> I love Drag Kings. We can dance, we can we can act, we can be silly. Yeah, we're we're a good time. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, I'm totally going to creep on your Drag King account too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, Hamish Hunky Dory is my stage name. Say it one more time. Hamish Hunky Dory. Hamish Hunky Dory. Ooh, okay. We will have <laughs> links to all of that. Um, and yeah. I'm also going to look up the Lost Boys. Um, yeah. Okay. So we have two final questions that we ask every guest. Um, yeah. The first one is like, what is your perfect day outside or on a bike? What does that look like for you? Hmm. So from start to finish, get up have my porridge i love porridge it's very typical scottish but i, I would love say that's porridge. very scottish of you very scottish love my porridge but i will have like you know uh blueberries and fruit and stuff make it fancy <laughs> um to be honest sometimes i love riding with people don't get me wrong but i really like a lot of space and actually it's planning ride on my own um grabbing my probably either my road or gravel bike i don't mind but just setting out on an adventure, not worrying about my average speed, going somewhere I've never gone before or going somewhere that I've been a lot of times. Um, I really like going down to the Lach Verge, which is an area near Amsterdam. It's about like 80 or 100k round trip and you go down there and there's gravel. And it's just so beautiful just being in nature. I stop and I have a big lunch in we we eat something called panakuk here, which is basically like pancake, but you just put whatever you like on it. Have a big old panakuk, and then cycle home, having eaten too much. And you know when your like stomach is focused on digesting, and then your legs can't work. Yeah, that, you're having that having that feeling. <laughs> the lactic acid is like we're in the wrong place, honey. It's just like <laughs> yeah. Um, and and if it's I I like I have to say I do like warm weather, quite often. Obviously, Amsterdam is full of canals and, and beautiful places. So I like stopping off safely for a bib dip of having a swim, getting back on, cycling home and then probably going for a drink with my friends. That's also in the, in the evening in a park somewhere. That's that's my ideal day on the bike, just having some mental space, listening to music that I like and thinking about life. That sounds perfect. And yeah. it reminds me of summers that I spent in Amsterdam um, riding yeah. bikes and having drinks with friends on big park lawns and it does have such, yeah. you always have such a unique uh park culture like well, I guess Europe in general that just doesn't exist yeah. here in the states we're lucky because we have a lot of green spaces and obviously the Netherlands is the best cycling infrastructure in the world which is really cool but I think equally I do also enjoy days riding with my with the collectives and people I ride with too there's something really special about that 
I still get nervous sometimes going to ride with groups, but once you get over the social anxiety, you're like, oh, this is sick. And I mean, uh, you feel really warm after. I still get social anxiety, like it, especially, and I, I hope this doesn't happen to you, but as you become more and more well-known, it does feel like there's this expectation that people are like wanting to, to see you. And I, I get it. Yeah, I, I'm not quite at that level, I think. But I think, uh, I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of worries, yeah, that, that I face and that other people face. Um, and yeah, yeah, social anxiety is still, still a thing, even if you're somebody that's seemingly quite extroverted. But, but yeah. And what was your other question? Sorry. Yeah. Sure. No, no, it's okay. Um, so we've talked bikes, we've talked drag kings, we've talked all sorts of things. Is there a topic that you wish more people asked you about or that you got to talk about um, outside of bikes? Aliens. And it's okay if not. <laughs> Aliens. Aliens. And dinosaurs. I my special interests are <laughs> Tell me more. I love, um, I love dinosaurs. I think they're so cool. Uh, and um yeah aliens i think the concept of aliens is really great i would love to talk about like dinosaurs and the earth and things like that i love science and and discussing that as well um i wish more people would talk to me about dinosaurs <laughs> i will talk to you about dinosaurs any day do you have a favorite dinosaur i kind of really love a triceratops okay. but if anybody is uh, now i'm getting to that age where it's like I saw a meme the other day that was like, if you see this movie, you need to book an appointment to have your eyes tested because you're that old. And it was the land before time. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, I'm, I'm that old. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm 13, mate. And I still, obviously, I still think that's incredibly young. But I, the land before time really inspired me. So I also love the long necks. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that movie. Actually, there was like 20 of them. So there were many. so many my grandparents had them all on VHS and I just I loved them it was really my childhood was land before time and cycling with my granddad I love that I love that yeah. well Sebastian this has been an absolute delight getting to know you getting to hear your story um and I hope we get to ride bikes sometime together um, I hope so too Marley it would be a literal dream come true it's, like I said it's on my bucket list <laughs> I'm so embarrassed and so honored much. at the same time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for all the work you do. I think that it's such a thankless task. And yeah, I know that it's really hard. And obviously, I will never be able to understand from a perspective. But I just think you're so awesome. Well, so thank, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work that you do. And thanks for spending the last hour chatting with us. And No worries. It's been a, a privilege and, and a joy. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been another episode of All Bodies on Bikes. And thanks for tuning in. This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening. Thank you.